Welcome back to the AIM Podcast. Today we sit down with special guest, founder of Slate Milk, Manny Lubin. In this episode, he talks about his business journey. He talks about starting the company with his co-founder, the highs, the lows, and all the things that he's learned along the way. He shares some incredible perspective here. Any young entrepreneur that is listening to this is going to gain so much value. I promise you, this was a very, very special conversation. So without further ado, let's dive right into this episode with Manny Manny, thank you so much for coming on the AIM podcast. Thanks, bro. Happy to be here. Let's go. I'm, I'm pumped, man. You know, the first time I think I got introduced to y'all's product, Slate Milk, for anyone listening, and I'm, I'm excited for you to tell a little bit more about the brand, was uh, was through Brian Mazza at his HPLT event. We had it up there, and then I had some. T- I got to spend some time out in Denver with Eric Hemman, and again, had more Slate. So been able to kind of have it in a couple of different situations, but it's a really good product, and it's awesome what you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Yeah, Mazza and Hinman, that whole community, like they've been awesome. Like whenever anyone joins our team, whether it's an investor, a partner, an employee, it always starts with the people, right? And within five minutes of talking to Mazza, I was like, like, we got to get this guy involved. And then he introduced me to Eric, got on a call with Eric, and we're like, we got to get this guy involved. And it just, it just evolves. It's like a snowball. Like once you start building that thing, you get more and more people, it just gets bigger and bigger. And it's, it's all, it's all from the people. Yeah, hundred percent. Speaking of snowballs, it's cool to see Eric make his uh his little slate snowball ice cream out in Denver. <laughs> I know, our, like when he does stuff like that, our whole team shares it and it gets everyone fired up. It's it's funny how one piece of content, like the effort that goes into people making content or like thoughtful intros and just the little things in business, like regardless of of who the person is, goes a long way. So now Eric and and that whole crew have been awesome. Let's go, man. Well, yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited to dive in here. I think, you know, like I said, just first off, congrats to what you guys are doing. But it's you've taken a brand and, and remind me, you guys have been been building this for about f- almost five years now. So uh, the idea uh, started in late 2017. We went full time mid 2018, but we weren't founded until like late 2019. Um, like the business didn't even launch until about November. I think our birthday is 11, 12. So November 12, 2019 was the day we actually launched the business. So just our third birthday a few months ago. Um, but I mean, it's, it takes a while to get going. Like for us, it was, it was a lot of Googling in the early days. Like when people ask, like sometimes people ask Josh, my co-founder and I, you know, how do you start a business? Like, where do you even start? And now I always tell people, if I told you I would give you $10,000 for the, to, to just in 30 days, just show me the, the bones of a business, like what would you do? It's like, I don't know, like Google things, ask people for help, like talk to my parents, like <laughs> research, like, I don't know. It's like, that's how you, that's just how it started. Right. And for us, it, it, we, we knew we wanted a healthier chocolate milk. We knew we found out about ultra filtration, which, which is taking the, the lactose out of, of milk itself. We knew we wanted it shelf stable in a can. We found out about the retort process. We knew we wanted a brand that uh, was modern and also told the story of we wanted to like help restart chocolate milk, make it healthier, give it a clean slate. That's where the name came from. And so it was just all these pieces in terms of like legally forming the company just asking people we knew uh, 
found a great legal team. So it's just all these pieces of like, you need this to get going. You need this to get started. You need this to launch. We just, just started doing it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. We, we've been fortunate to have on, you know, a couple of different founders from different companies, different industries. And I think that is a common theme that most of them do address is just like, you just got to start. And a lot of them don't necessarily come from a background of have done doing it before. Maybe, I, you know, I don't know everything about your background, but it's just like, listen, you're probably not going to know every single thing that you need to know on day one. But if you don't, if you don't attack day one and start day one, you'll never get to day 10 or year three or like, you know, what you guys are on now. So that's, that's, I think that's really good advice. Yeah. And so for us, we, in, I was living in Brighton, Mass. And in my living room, we put up a, a whiteboard and we just broke it into like all these squares and each square was just like different, different parts of the business from branding to product to like supply chain to, to legal to like finance all the different parts of the business and we just put up notes of like what needed to get done and we almost thought of it like a bunch of different chips on the table and we just slowly like every day just pushing something forward because there's always like even today right like we, we've had a good amount of growth we've been fortunate so got a long way to go and you never know what's gonna happen tomorrow but um even today there's always something that we can be doing and so uh, just every day, obviously, their priorities task at hand, but like, what can we be moving forward, especially like as, as the co-founder of a business when like, even if something is technically under under Josh's reign or, or mine, and he could be helping, it's just like, there's always stuff that we can both be doing. Yeah, I want to I want to dive into that a little bit deeper, because I think for, you know, young entrepreneurs, anyone listening to this that's just starting a business, I think it's cool to to hear your perspective of it from where you got started to where you are now. And I would love to hear a little bit more about what the early days look like. You guys talk about kind of mapping it out on whiteboards and y'all are attacking it together. But how did those kind of early days look getting the brand off the ground? Yeah. So I think it was uh, October 2017 was the first time. Uh, so Josh and I were still working on other jobs. I pitched investors the idea. And because he had just made some some beverage investments and he was like, that sounds interesting. Take a look at it. And it was just someone I met through the Northeastern Network. Josh and I both went to Northeastern University. And that was the first, literally, I think the first thing that that I went home and did is Googled like chocolate milk market, which now we're not even necessarily attacking the chocolate milk market, right? It's the chocolate milk market compiled with like the RT coffee market, RT protein market. Like there, there's a lot more to it. Um, but it was just looking at the market, just understanding what that market looks like. Because you know, if, if you want to create a product and the, the market isn't there, it's gonna be very hard. Um, because if the market's not there, then you're gonna have to reposition your product to attack a different market. And I think that's in the early days. What I think Josh and I stayed true to is is the market. We we knew what we wanted, but like, is the market actually there? And what we realized is that the chocolate milk market. I think at the time it was like 1.5 bill, which is decent. But what we realized is, all right, we should we want to also attack the RTD protein market because that market at the time was probably two x the size of, of the RTD um, or the the chocolate milk market. And then we started looking at the RTD coffee market, which is growing like crazy too, right? And so we're like, all right, if we can attack all these markets, like these compiling markets, and take stomach space from a little bit of stomach space from each of them, then the actual TAM that we're addressing is much bigger than just the chocolate milk market. Because also when we started to dive into the, the chocolate milk market, you know, call it, even at the time, call it two bill. Let's say half of that is multi-serve. We know we want single serve. We're already down to a billion. Let's say, you know, at the time, probably 
60% of the consumers, now it's up to 80, but call it 60% of consumers were decreasing sugar, but 40% didn't care. So those people that didn't care wouldn't drink our products. So now we're down to a $600 million market. And that's a $600 million market. You know, a small portion of those are just people that are going to just stay true to to their everyday routine, call it half of those consumers. Now we're, we're potentially down to a $300 million market. And that's just like, that's not, a, that's not an opportunity, right? And so in the early days, it was really taking a, a close look at that market to understand how we would have to position this product to hit a market that was large enough and growing um, to actually have an opportunity. And I think that's kind of how we fo- we started forming what now is more of like a fitness brand, like a strength brand, which is Slate. Um, in the early days, we were really like a healthy chocolate milk company, but we're still trying to attack the RTD protein market, RTD coffee market, and you know, still part of that that chocolate milk market. And then, so October 2017, first meeting, Josh, like the, it took a lot of convincing with Josh, <laughs> uh, but uh, he, he has always drank lactose-free chocolate milk, just like me. Like we were both former athletes in high school, drank a lot of chocolate milk. And then uh, into college, both dabbled in, in protein powders because we stopped drinking chocolate milk, started drinking the uh, the artificial protein powders. May us both feel like crap, but you know, you're in college. You want you wanna get yoked, you wanna lift a lot of weights and, and <laughs> for sure drink as much protein as you as you could was the way to go. <laughs> way to go as you know. Um, and so he also, you know, after college, we both went back to drinking lactose free chocolate milk, high in sugar. We were already drinking it. And we just both realized that and we're like, like we can do this better. So that was kind of like how the idea kind of came about and morphed in like both of our personal stories. Um, And then in terms of the early days of actually starting the business, like I said, it was writing things on a whiteboard. It was a lot of Googling. It was cold calling people, um, just trying to figure out, like we knew what we wanted. We just didn't know how to actually get there. So it was, you know, we, we knew where we wanted to get to. But it's like, how it, can we make this possible? And uh, if so, like, how do we actually do it? Yeah, that's so fascinating. I'm sure you learned so much along the way. And I'm sure if I asked you even like, you know, one lesson or thing that you guys challenged you early on that you maybe have learned from that you can share, like, is, is there something that comes to mind there? I'm sure there's a lot, but. Yeah, I mean, we we now, when we have a very tough decision to make, <laughs> We go with our gut because, and I, I've said this before, but if if you go with your gut and you're wrong, you're like, shit, like I was wrong. Like I, I went with my gut and like everything that I have learned and everything that I've seen told me to do this and it was wrong. But if you go against your gut and you're wrong, you're like, I knew it. Like I, I knew that was the incorrect path. I did it anyways and I was wrong. So, you know, you're still going to weigh all the options. You still got to make sure you take your time don't rush decisions but at the end of the day if there is a a, a ticking clock and you got to make a decision because of like starting a business is it's like connect the dots right you're just kind of like jumping from dot to dot along the way and you're gonna have a million different paths you can take on the business whether yeah. it's not doing something whether it's doing something whether it's hiring someone whether it's partnering with someone like there are a million different paths but if you got to make a decision and you're not and it's literally a coin flip you got to go with whatever your gut says because there have been two times in the business, nothing extremely detrimental, but I, like two times in the business that Josh and I always talk about to ourselves where 
we're like, like we, we knew it was the wrong thing to do, but for whatever reason, whether we got like Hollywooded, um, like just like sold very well and like, like the person or, you know, for one, one reason or another, um, we just didn't go with, with our gut and and this, this hasn't happened recently. This is probably like within the last year or so we, we, we learned. Um, so definitely going with your gut and then also just like, can't make the same mistake twice. Can't Mm. do it. I think that's a key too, is you're going to mess up and you're going to get yourself in a hole where if you just didn't do something, you probably would have been better off, but you, you go with your gut. And then if you mess up, you can't make the same mistake twice. That's super valuable. I love that. And I think that's something that, you know, personally, I've definitely dealt with. And, you know, as we've started to build this brand, Kaisers we're working on now, it's like, there's so many decisions and we're, we're obviously really early on into the brand, but there's so many decisions that you're like, you know, what do we do here? And I think at the end of the day, when you come at a project, a brand, whatever it is that you're working on personally, and you care so much and like you have so much passion and drive to like see it happen, then your gut, I feel like tends to be right. Um, obviously there's certain things you just don't know, but at the end of the day, like you're saying to your point, like at least you'll never look back and say, man, I, you know, I thought that, and that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we, we've been fortunate now to have investors that have built businesses in the past, like Nick Rellis, co-founder of Drizzly, Peter Ray Hall, co-founder of RX Bar, founder of RX Bar, uh, Doug Booten, co-founder of Halo Top. And, you know, it's, they've, they've built successful brands and, and, they don't necessarily say it exactly like that, but you know, it's, it's a lot of what it comes down to is at the end of the day, it's a lot of times people are betting on founders, which is like what I'm sure you hear all the time. Like we hear it all the time too, because sure. when you're building a business, there are so many decisions you have to make. And you're just, you know, if you're investing in a company, you're, you're, you're betting on the fact that the founders are going to make the right call where they're going to do their research, that they're going to get as much info as they can. But at the end of the day, they're, you're a lot of, investors are investing based on not only the data that they see in the business, but also their, their intuition, their gut. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's one of the things we learned. I'm glad we learned early better than late. For sure. You, t- you touch on some really exciting investors um, that are associated with slate. How important has that process been for you guys? One from just a like pure capital standpoint and scaling the brand, but to have like some strategic money and people that have been really experience in their field to come in and, and apply some support and insight and, and value there. Yeah. I mean, it's been huge, right? Like Josh and I, we always say like, we, we like to be think of ourselves as like scholars of the game. We don't know what we don't know. Like even, you know, we, some of the investors that I talked about, like we, we also have like the, the founders of Yasso frozen Greek yogurt, like even people that, that I think we all think of as being successful and having, you know, quote unquote made it or like they're still building, but they've had a lot of success they are still so inquisitive. Like they also feel as though they're still learning when they're talking to us, which is something we really appreciate. And I think that's another thing that we've learned is like, it doesn't matter how large or how successful someone is. They're always trying to learn from us in conversations. We feel as that we feel like, even if it's something small. And so we try to like reflect that in every conversation that we go into, but um, like just being a sponge is so important and just soaking up as much info as you can in every conversation. But in terms of having the people on the team, it's been huge, right? Because a lot of the mistakes that we might make, we can ask people and say, hey, did you have this, did this happen to you? Like, what was that like, right? And whenever Josh and I have a, a big decision to make, we'll just like blitz all of our investors and advisors. So like another, we have a couple other people on the team, like Lawrence Norman has been key to the brand. He 
was the old VP of basketball at Adidas. Um, we have Laura Durba, who was the old uh, North Atlantic regional president of, of Whole Foods Market. And it's just like all the, we have people in brand that have built brands. We have people that um, have been on the grocery side and, you know, the game's always changing, right? It's what, what, what it was like building by a decade ago. It's not the same building slate today, but right. at the same time, we can hear about what the journey was like if they would have done anything differently and apply that to the decisions we have to make. So yeah, just having those people like that we can pick up the phone and call anytime. And all of them are just awesome, right? Like no one is like most of our, our investors and advisors, if we hit them up, unless they're on vacay, like they're, they're hitting us back within a day, um, <laughs> which is, which is key. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's learning from people's mistakes, but also understanding that just because they like someone has experience and they've gone through it and they have a an opinion on it, which is probably like if they're built brand, they're they're probably uh, pretty passionate about their their opinions, which is something we appreciate about founders. It's not always the right decision, right? Like yeah. no two brands are created equal. Like I said, the game's changing every day. Um, but I think even when we ask for advice, even if we don't go with that advice, people are just they just want to see Slate succeed and just want to support however they can. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. When you guys went out to raise money, like. A lot of companies talk about when they do raises, obviously money is money at the end of the day, but strategic money means so much more going, you know, a little bit further with just the value you get from that. What has been like the key instrument in getting that strategic money? Is it more relying on just good relationships and network or how did you guys, you know, get all these incredible people to invest and believe in Slate? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all of the above. Like I, I think it's all, it's all timing too, right? Like everything, I think that's what a lot of, of founders we also talk to uh, overstate and overthink is sometimes you just send the right email at the right time. And sometimes you just, someone is just strapped for cash or, or they're just, they're bought a new house or something like that. It's not even in this industry. It's in everything. Right? Like, look at it in like sports, like the right trade at the right time can flip an organization, the right draft pick at the right time. Right. And if, like, if someone is in the market for a franchise quarterback and you have someone great on the market, like you can't draft them and you might set your, your franchise back a decade. So I think a lot of it is just persistence. Um, like, for example, uh, what our one of our earliest investors, um, Stu Klain, who I always say is like the grandfather I never wanted. No, Stu is <laughs> like uh, one of our, our good friends now. Um, he helped build Yasso frozen Greek yogurt. And his daughter, Amanda Klain, and his daughter's best friend, Drew Harrington, who are the, the founders of Yasso, like they built that brand. But Josh my co-founder met Stu on a golf course. Wow. Like that's, it's literally how it works. <laughs> yeah. Like Josh, Josh is good at golf. And and this guy came up to him and asked him how he learned to, to play like that. And then <laughs> Stu ended up joining the team and, and the, uh, the Yasa team ended up joining. So it's things like that. It's uh, again, just meeting people, uh, having, being respectful of people, seeing how we can always help. And then they always like, people are, are making intros to us all the time. And then sometimes again, it's a it's a LinkedIn message that's just well written, and like for with uh, with Doug from Halo Top, I think it started on LinkedIn where his business partner just so happened to be drinking Slate or heard about Slate like within the week or so, wow. and and Doug Doug's a savage like Doug is awesome and he just a conversation here and there just hearing his perspective is just helpful right. Um, so it really has been like we 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 have one investor um, named JJ who like he met like 
I don't know if it was like where Tony Romo is not involved in say, but like met someone's like <laughs> mother-in-law at a casino in Vegas. And we ended up hopping on a call. Like, it's just like people, people hear this. It's also having a great story because people hear the story and they, they want to get involved just, and they like the product and the brand potentially, you know, not everyone does, but people that do like, they think it's interesting, right? It's like a, it's like a chocolate milk protein shake in a can that tastes good. And you don't just have to have it after workout. So I think, the uh, the kind of like head tilt factor of it has also helped um where it's people think of it as as different differentiated from things in the market but but yeah i know it's really all of the above and i don't think josh and i think of ourselves as like master networkers or anything um it's it's just people being awesome and, and wanting to help that's so cool now I, I appreciate you sharing that i think that's super valuable i'm curious though as you guys have scaled your company you know, there's a there's a lot of brands out there. Brands are launching every day. We live in a world right now with social media where everyone's like, I'm just going to throw this idea up and see if I can make sales. And like, that's great. But you guys have had a tremendous success in scaling your company in a very short amount of time compared to a lot of other brands. What do you think some of the key factors are in, in scaling a company and like obviously bringing the idea to market, getting it going, but then taking strategic steps to actually scale exponentially instead of just yeah. slowly? <clears throat> We are trying to build a brand. We're not trying to sell products. At the end of the day, I think that there are plenty of successful people out there that launch products, sell products, and then move on. And it's it's just one it's one way to go. But I think for us, you know, we we think not only three months in the future, but also three years in the future. And we ha- there are some decisions that we make that might be growing a little bit slower. But it's to we want to protect the brand. Like we want people to hear about us or see us or or use us for the first time on our terms. Not necessarily like like we can launch a crap load of different products across and just like try to blast out online. But but we want people to think about us in a certain way, and we want to try to control that messaging as much as possible. And so what we've done is we're mostly a retail first brand, but we when we launch in certain areas we kind of blitz that market with digital as well. So it's digital, like Josh and I always joke that like the marketing team job is to make sure people know what the heck slate is. And the sales team's job is to make sure that when they go into a store, they see it. Right. So we combine digital marketing, which is not only like partners slash influencers, like the people we started talking about, but also just digital paid anything that we can try to do to, to get the word out there about slate, what it is, send the message, get people familiar with what the can looks like. And then in the store, we have a team of absolute studs that go into the stores, what we call area sales managers, and build displays, get additional placements, work with the store managers um, to just try to to make sure that we're seen in the stores. Um, and that combination is how we've really been able to grow. And then we always say like marketing, make sure people know what the heck it is and the right people, right? Like we want to try to find people that are even if they're not fitness forward, they're healthy minded, right? We want to try to find people that, that do care that it's in a recyclable can. We're hundred percent plastic neutral. You know, our audience right now, isn't necessarily already scooping artificial protein powder into a shaker bottle and shaking it up. It's the, the individual that might care a little bit more about what they're putting into their bodies. And so we try like Anna Carr is our head of partnerships, her and, um, and Morgan and our team do a great job of just trying to find people who embody our brand and what we're all about. And then the sales team's job is, again, just to try to get the product in front of people and, and drive like cans in hands. 
And then at the end of the day, it's up to the product to bring people back for more, right? You, you know, you can, you can have liquid on one side, you can have liquid gold, but if no one knows it freaking exists, no one's going to pick it up off the shelf or buy it online. And you can have the best marketing strategy on the planet. You can get it in front of everyone. You can build this crazy buzz with enough dollars. But if the product sucks, people aren't going to come back for more. But if you have both, like that's, that's a business, like that, that's a brand. And I think one of the ways we've been able to grow is in my, uh, my, my uh, eighth grade basketball coach used to always say, be quick, don't hurry. So it's, we want to grow at a pace where investors are excited. You know, we, we are keeping up with, with demand and uh, we're just, we're continuing to grow and kind of striking while the iron's hot because I think that we've hit our, like the brand market fit and product market fit are the two things that we always talk about. And I think that we're still proving out both, but I think that we are, um, we've had a lot of success in proving both of those things. So we want to, you know, the time is now, but also growing too quick, you just get growing pains, right? Whether it's not being able to stock the shelves properly, whether it's it's not pro- not giving enough time for a certain market to start to hear about sleep, um, things like that. And so it's it's always just balancing that that growth path where there's no right or wrong way. There's no there's no right or wrong speed because every brand's different. But um, right now. You know, Josh and I always talk about pace. We, we talk a lot about pace and um, we're trying to control that pace as we speak. Wow, that's great. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's there's a lot of cool things that I, I want to kind of unpack there. One in particular, and you kind of touched on this, but you, your overall message is really just you got to build a brand. You can't worry about necessarily just, you know, making sales and everything like that's a part of the equation. But at the end of the day, for like longevity purposes and building something sustainable, the brand has to be a focus. With my, I guess my question is in regards to like partnerships and influencers and different things of that world where the brand I think is so prevalent and so, so much in that conversation, how have you guys gone about that strategy? And, you know, what are some things you guys look for in a, in a partnership or an influencer to, to work with and promote and be associated with the brand? That's a good question. So we, it always starts with the individual person that we might be partnering with. Like, do we believe we have the same values? Right. Like, do we think that they care about what we care about? Which again, it it starts with being healthy minded, like regards of appearance, it starts with being healthy minded. It also has a lot to do with authenticity. I think that if we think that someone like obviously on social media, people are, are showing like we, you know, you hear about people showing that like the top one percent of their lives. Obviously, you're not gonna see everything. You're not gonna see someone snoring with their mouth open. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, do we think that when this person speaks, like they are telling the truth and they're speaking truthfully? Um, we being authentic is just like something true to like our brand values. Like internally, we, we talk a lot about like trust and respect. Like that's how we all think about each other. Like we all want to trust each other and respect each other. That's who we bring on the team. And we want, we want to feel the same about our partners. Um, so are they being real? And then after that, I, it's either we're talking to like an agent or a manager, or we're talking to the individual themselves. If we're talking to an agent or a manager, can we work with them? And we'll know probably within two minutes, you know, most of the time, like most people we talk to, and again, I want to speak for AC. So Anna Carr, AC, she runs partnerships. I don't want to speak too much for her, but I think most of the people that that she talks to and we talk to overall, I'd say are great. But like, if you're an a-hole and like, we, like if, if, if we feel as though an agent or a manager is trying to like win the deal, like we just, like, we just won't engage. Like that's, that's just not the type of relationship that, that we're looking for. And what's 
frustrating sometimes is even if the partner themselves might be a freaking homie, perfect fit, like they seem awesome. If your representation is too money hungry, like we want a fair deal, right? Like we don't want to win the deal. We don't need to win the deal. Like this is a partnership. And I think sometimes the way that people are wired is like, like everyone's a salesperson, right? They want to get as much money as possible, which we understand. We obviously want the the deal to be as affordable as possible while still making sure that people, the, the partner understands that they're valued. So it's all about balance. But if we are talking to an individual that uh, we just feel as though it might be difficult to work with them, like the manager, a lot of times we will just move on because it's not worth our team's time. Like we're already, everyone on the team is already overworked, right? We're a team of about 40 now and everyone's just at, like grinding. So oh. it's just not something that, uh, that we usually engage in. And then when it comes to the individual themselves, like, again, it starts with, is this person the right fit? Like, are they healthy minded? Are they like, are they into fitness? Is there anything like maybe they're lactose intolerant? Like what is their actual story? Like, does that fit into our story? Um, could we like, whether we could be friends with them or not, like we would love to be able to be friends with them. Maybe we have different interests, but, but do they genuinely love the product is like the final gatekeeper. Because we will not work with people who don't love product because people can see right through that. And also if that person doesn't like the product and they're following or even like their close friends start asking about it and on social media, they're like, this stuff's awesome. And then behind the scenes are like, this stuff sucks. Everyone's time is being wasted. So fortunately I'd say that that doesn't happen very often. Yep. Sometimes you get everyone, you know, get someone every once in a while. It's just like, I just don't like chocolate. And we're like, you should see a doctor. There's something wrong with you. No, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it starts with like, are they real? Are they, do they embody our brand? And do they love the product? That's, that's very valuable. I actually had this similar conversation with my co-founder last night, Lucas. We were talking about that exact thing with managers coming in the deal. And it's like, at the end of the day, if this becomes a brand deal and it's just an exchange of money for a post, it's like, that's not going to do, it's not going to do well right. for anyone. And I think, yep. you know, when you can align with people that genuinely, you know, love the product, I use Eric for an example, cause I'm closer with Eric Hinman. Like you can tell he genuinely loves Slate and he incorporates yeah. it organically and everything he does. He's got an incredible personal brand where people trust what he says. Cause he never works with anyone that he doesn't truly believe in. And you can right. see that. Right. No, totally agree. And I think it's the same for like, again, even if it's uh, like we now work with a ton of college athletes, right? Like, I mean, I think of part of the reason that Josh and I started Slate is like, we would have drank this in college. Like it came in, it's perfect. And like, I probably in college and Josh too would have reached out to Slate and tried to become like an NIL athlete. And we always took, I don't know if we would have been accepted the program. I don't know if we're cool enough, (laughs) but it's uh, it, it's it's about finding the people that are passionate about the product and we think would would like it because those are the people that that talk about it right those are the people that become your your ambassadors your super fans and again it doesn't matter how big you get like brand is always built first and foremost by by people by word of mouth by partners by again whether it's a a mother of two down in florida that has 485 followers on instagram but they all like love and trust her and they're all <laughs> going to publics and buying or whether it's you know your your Brian Masses, your Eric Hinman's, your Josh Dixon um, is an investor in Slate. He was a, a former Olympian. Um, 
gymnast. Like he loves the product. It's, it's a combination of all of these folks. For sure. What has your, like personally, what has your favorite or most rewarding, fulfilling moment been so far building this brand? I know you guys probably have a long way to go and a lot of things you want to accomplish, but up to this point, what has stuck out to you has been something that's really fulfilled you as a founder building this brand? I mean, it's pretty cool to see that we, we removed, I think it's 13,000 pounds of plastic from the planet. And wow. we to date have not put a pound of plastic back into the world without removing a pound of plastic. We're a plastic neutral business. And we, especially early and still now, like there, there will always be pressure to do things in a more affordable way because people think it's better for business. And people think that more dollars means better business. But, you know, you see it all the time. And the way that Josh and I see it is that, like, we've always stayed true to the can. You know, we have a, we have a new product line coming out. I think we're actually, the soft launch is today, where it's going to be out of a can. It's, but it's still a plastic neutral product. And I think that is pretty freaking cool that even through the, you know, post-pandemic 2021, 2022, where prices were crazy and supply chain was nuts and I mean, I, I'd be lying. I think any beverage founder would be lying if they said they didn't explore different types of packaging or uh, finding significantly more affordable ways to make their product. But staying true to the can, staying true to our plastic neutrality, I think it's it was it's not necessarily like a moment, but it's just like it's one of those things that's pretty freaking cool. And I think that that part of the brand's mission and part of the the reason we created the brand is you know, we are able to make these decisions to not not completely change the way that we we deliver our product to, just to make it a little bit more affordable and continue to stay true to our plastic neutrality and not adding any plastic to the world i think that's pretty cool that that we're able to to grow and we again long way to go but we're able to to grow like we have and continue to be plastic neutral and a sustainable business i think that's interesting and it's something that i feel like a lot of people don't think about on the surface level but if you can make decisions while short term they might not be they might not give you the highest profit margin but long term it's going to create like a a subconscious decision from a customer to be loyal to the brand and just have a deeper connection with the brand because of something they stand for which will then increase sales like there's a lot of ways to kind of look at that but i think that's actually a really way an interesting way to look at that yeah and again i think everyone in the last two years has thought about making significant changes to, to cut costs. Um, and we'll, we'll always try to make the product as, as like you, you want your, your, your GMs to be as high as possible, obviously, but no, I, I think it's, uh, it's been pretty cool to continue to grow and, and remain plastic neutral. For sure. Where, where is slate headed? I know you guys, I'm sure are excited for a great year, um, you know, getting going, but where are you guys headed? What are some exciting things you're working on and yeah, what, what's, what's going on? Yeah, so we, I mean, I think last year, I think it was public that we were in like 5,000 doors. By the end of this year, we should be in 10,000. So this year, our door count should double. This year, you know, we've really been focused on on Northeast, East Coast, like down in Florida, up and down the East Coast this year. As we expand this year, I think it's going to, you're going to start seeing Slate all over the country, which I think is exciting. Um, 
even just with like new partnerships, like it was announced, like Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat, Terrence Mann of the LA Clippers, like they came on as investors, and like th- those dudes are awesome. Um, continue to add new partners to the team, but talking about larger partnerships, I think it's just again continue to grow, but not too quick. Be quick, don't hurry. Um, continue to build the brand all over the country. Um, we we have a new product line coming out shortly. I think will be great. It's it's a little bit more uh travel safe like when i when i travel anywhere i can't bring cans with me so this is something that, that i'll be able to take with me which is great and it's just continue to grow the business right and, and i think that what we're doing what we're we could we always be doing better but what we're doing right now is just working in terms of our marketing paired with our sales strategy um we got badasses that that are in operations which man that uh, supply chain with a uh, liquid dairy product, not easy, but, but, uh, Justin, when I tour, like they, they grind, um, they do an awesome job and it's, it's just kind of like this wheel, right? It's just like, you got to make the product. You got to make people know it's aware. You got to make people know it exists and market the product. You got to sell the product, and then you got to pay for the product to make the next batch. And it's just this wheel. Right. It's, it's just as simple as finance ops, marketing sales, and that's just executing on the strategy. And I think that, that we have, we're always refining the strategy. That's what my co-founder Josh and I talk about every day. It's like our strategy, um, high level day of like certain meetings, like all, like what we're talking about 18 months in the future, whether we're talking about a meeting we have tomorrow, which we're literally going to be talking about after this, it's just creating the strategy and then going out and executing on that strategy. But I think that uh, creating the strategy is is what's key because then you, you have something to execute on. And it's not necessarily like a hard goal. Like we need to hit this in sales. It's like, you know, what, like, what is the overall path? Like, are there certain accounts you want to go get? Then let's go get them, yep. right? Like if, if we want, is there a certain investor we want to talk to? Let's go talk to them, right? And it's like, I think that's that's what we've been able to do. It's just like, if there's someone that, if there's someone that we want to, to talk to, if there's an account we want to get, and like there's still some we can't get, right? Like we're, we're like everyone, like they're, we're, we're not a hundred percent hit rate. Um, but I think that that once we set our mind to wanting to, to get something, it's like, how do we get there? Like once we set that dot, like this is the dot we want to go to, like what's the line to get to that next dot. Um, so, yeah. I think that's, I think that's really helpful because I think a lot of times when you start the business, when you start the brand, even as you grow, it's, it can be, easy to get overwhelmed with how many things are there. But I think, like you said, having some sort of strategy or plan to be able to focus and then truly execute on that, um, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think that's really, really powerful. Last question for you, man. I really appreciate your time. This has been super, super fun. And you've dropped an incredible amount of wisdom and knowledge on this episode. But if you could give one piece of advice to early entrepreneurs getting in the game, trying to get their thing going, what would that be? Um, You know, what would you tell them? I would say that, so, I mean, if you have a co-founder, which I would never start a business without a co-founder, your relationship with your co-founder is more important than your relationship with your business. We see it all the time of co-founder splits and like it's businesses can still be fine. But in the early days, like finding the right business partner, like Josh is my freaking guy. Like that, my relationship with Josh is more important than my, my, than like the business because like Josh and I still now are like building the business together and like 
we again the, the team there's no business without the team but finding someone that will challenge you in the right way but also like like splitting up who is kind of making quote unquote final call and then understanding that if there's a disagreement like they need to come to terms with it because Josh and I always have the saying we always say NLB never look back like when we make a decision we will not waste a even if it's right or wrong we will not make waste a minute in the future talking about the past like there's no reason to unless it's like can we like discuss that and learn from it and can that help a future decision otherwise like if you make a wrong call like hanging your head on that like it's not going to do any good but that like philosophy like the NLB philosophy is because of my relationship with Josh and like I know like even if if it's something marketing ops like brand that I oversee and like shit that probably wasn't the right move like he's got my back and if it's something like sale like on his side of the business like sales he oversees finance um if it's something where it's like man we probably could have done that differently like I got his back and like that relationship like knowing that you have each other's backs like you got like business is is a battle you know like every day doesn't matter what size you are like even the biggest country, like look at Chibani, like they're battling, right? Like they 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 had a bunch of people leave last year. Um, even publicly traded companies, you know, you can see it everywhere. Businesses always battle, and like you got to remember the person that that you have next to you. If you if you guys lose trust in each other, um, it's gonna be freaking hard. So especially in the early days, like you are picking, you're picking your partner for battle, and just even if things go wrong in a business choosing that partner over like and not holding a grudge it's freaking huge and don't look back never look back let's go dude thank you so much man i really appreciate that i really appreciate you coming on and i'm so excited to see all the things you guys crush in 2023 with slate and our whole community definitely will support you guys and yeah we really appreciate you doing this man this means a lot thanks bro yeah thanks for having me awesome thank you so much man Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of the AIM podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And if you found value in it, I ask that you kindly share this with a friend. We want to continue to grow this community and help more and more people every single day. If you have any questions for me, if I can ever help you anyway, please reach out to me at Doug Elks on all social. I'd be happy to help you out. Let's get after this week. Let's crush it. And as always, keep ambition in mind.